the the conversation around story then really starts with a piece before walking in your story with God, because I don't know about you, Joy, but if you'd have asked me maybe a decade or maybe even a little bit longer ago than that, okay, and said to me, all right, Elle, you just need to step into the story that God has for you for your life. I'd be like, hmm, okay, but what if it's not a fun one? Or what if I don't like the story? Well, hello, friend. Thank you for stopping by. Today, I'm inviting you to listen in on a conversational chat that I had with Elle Edwards. She's a fellow podcaster, and she's also founder of UEAR. She explains that. It's a two-part chat. The first part, we're laying the foundation, or Elle is, and the second part, she leaves more inspirational nuggets. You always want to listen to two parts of the chat. If you are new, this is Life and Faith Chats and welcome. And if you are an old time, long time friend, subscriber, supporter, encourager, welcome friend. Thank you for joining me. My name is Joy. Let's get into the chat. thing we really need to explore before we start thinking about how we can step into the story that God's written for our lives is thinking about can we trust him because I know that this is not necessarily something you're going to talk about in church we go to church and we know that God loves us God is love he's brilliant and amazing and he's wonderful and he is however at the same time there are certain things that we might have accidentally grown up with that lead us to believe that maybe God is sometimes trying to catch us out. This might be just me and the tradition that I grew up in, but one of the really important pieces that we really need before we can ever really think about saying, okay, God, what's this story you've got for me, is actually we need that radical encounter with God's love. That's the reason why with everything I do at Yuya, it starts with the Holy Spirit love notes. It starts with the stories on the podcast about God's love. Because unless you actually know that God has, has got your back, if you, unless you actually really know deep in your core that he's not trying to catch you out, that actually his plans for you are so much more wonderful than you can possibly comprehend, then it's too scary. You know, the enemy will try and whisper to us, ah, but did God really say, you know, that's the, it was the first trick he ever pulled. Did God really say, and unless we can go, yes, I know this is what my God says. And I know I can't see it all yet. And I know that I'm having to stand in this stuff, but I'm going to believe it anyway, because I know that God loves me and he's got me. Unless we have that piece, it gets really scary and difficult to start exploring the story that God has for us, for our lives. So when I was pondering on our conversation earlier, I was asking Holy Spirit, well, where do we go? And he said, love is the first piece there. And I felt like you were going to ask me a question or going to say something then. I wonder why we question God's love, because exactly like you said, I said all the right things and I could quote John three sixteen, but I always had in the back of my mind that God was out to get me. Even though you could see in your life that he really wanted to get you, he would have gotten you. But for some reason, that doesn't, it doesn't go in place. So you always have this suspicion that you don't voice, but you kind of live because you don't trust. 
like you mm. said, to trust yourself. Mm. So one of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you was because of what you said about trusting God's love. Okay. Yeah. What I think though, and what I, the journey that God's taking me on, and it's, it's really interesting because I feel like he's almost, uh, okay. I prayed the prayer when I was 12. I was scared out of hell when I was 12 uh, and I was loved into heaven in my mid twenties. However, I feel like God has taken the last 16, 17 months of COVID and compacted a whole load of stuff such that last year he had me unpacking things about how he wants to be known. The journey from the last 17 years, uh, 17 months, sorry, is so much. I feel like if it could it could really be like pulled out. But the really important piece that he's been showing me over and over again is actually how he wants to be known. And I did a course, a theology, an online little theology course um, last year, and it was looking at church history. And when I was starting that, I was like, God, what? Church history? That's boring. He's like, but actually when I did it, it was amazing. And because it was as a result of that course and the teaching behind that, I got to see how much of our Western church and our Western tradition is so heavily influenced by ancient Greek philosophy. Now, the reason I mention this, there is a point because ancient Greek philosophy, they will have told you that God, their picture of God was far away and aloof, untouchable, grand, huge, and when and then through church history, we had some really big, important figures who, when they read the Bible and they read Abraham, for example, who said to God, well, what if there's 40? What if there's 30? What if there's 20? When they read stories of God changing his mind based on interactions with humans, they couldn't get it. And he went, what? This doesn't make sense. And a really clever bloke at the time said, don't worry about it. Just pretend that those are figures of speech. God didn't really change his mind. It's just a figure of speech. And the bloke went, oh, all right then. And this came through our church history. And so we grow up, again, speaking for myself, but historically, the church has, has focused on how big and amazing and holy and untouchable God is. And yes, he is big. He sung the stars into existence, but he's also personal and he loves us personally. And he's closer than the air that we breathe right next to you as a best friend, a brother, all of those things too. But historically, that's not how he's been portrayed to us. And I think that's a big part of the problem. And some of the stuff that we're having to unpack is how, how does God actually want to be known by us? What does it mean when we're told that God is love? And so that's part of the journey he's taken me on. And some of what we do, some of the stuff that I get really excited about sharing, because it was a complete eye opener to me. I was like, really? I had no idea. Like, I just was like, whoa. But it was mind boggling to me to think that, you know, these decisions that were made hundreds and hundreds of years ago, how much they've impacted these traditions that we're still unpacking now. And that's, I think, probably part of why we did grow up with this idea, you know, that maybe God, because you, for example, you read, might read Job, you know, let's read Job where, where God gave the Satan permission to go and sort of test Job. So we read stories like that and we go, oh, I hope he doesn't do that to me, you know? And so it's understandable. And of course, you know, we're, we're not fighting flesh and blood, we're fighting the spiritual forces of, you know, Ephesians 6. And so any, any doubt that we have, the enemy's all over that, you know, he loves to latch onto that stuff and escalate it so that we don't talk to God about it. And that in essence is everything that I'm about with Yuya is let's go back to God and see what he says. Talk to God about it. Ask him questions, expecting him to, to actually answer you because he loves you so, so much, which is why that love piece really does have to come first. And, you know, I don't think there's anyone who doesn't know that story of Job because everything that happens, you like, I'm going through my Job time or is this, <laughs> you know, did God set me up like this? 
And Mm. on the other hand, the story with where Abraham was walking and talking with him and Mm. bargaining like you would with a father, may I please, or that's never taught in Sunday school to see how he is. No, exactly. But the other piece of it as well is if you look at the church, the way that church and government has been intertwined as well, that's the other piece of it. So there's this whole manufacturing of fear, you know, because it suited the purposes of the, like the, the, the King James Bible was written by good old King James, well, not actually written by him, but was sponsored by King James here in the UK as a mechanism for control. You know, and so they pick and choose which, how are we going to translate this? And unless you can actually read the Bible in the language it was rid, originally written in, you miss some of those nuances. And it's been really fascinating a number of times in in my local church a few of us God's nudged us so for example there's a word that what was the word we looked at perfect Holy Spirit nudged me to look at the word perfect you know be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect I can't be perfect no you can't be perfect the enemy oh well you might as well not bother but actually if we look at the word perfect it's not God is perfect and God when the word perfect is used in the Old Testament it is used to describe God And it's the way that we understand the word perfect. When you look at perfect in the New Testament, there's a number of layers to it. Perfect means working towards a goal. Perfect means it is finished. Perfect also means I've done it. Jesus at the cross, when he says it is finished, the word he used finished is also the same word that we use. It's translated as perfect. And so actually what Jesus is saying at the cross is my goal is completed. This is perfect. It is finished. It's done. And yet we have, because we're only reading in English, we think, oh, perfect. What does that mean? And actually, I would maintain, no, what Jesus is saying is keep on working towards this goal that God is giving you, just like I did when I did my work. I use that by way of example. It's one tiny example of how, you know, limited we are, unless we really choose to dig into this. And I'm, I'm not a Greek or Hebrew scholar, but we do have resources, like concordances. We can dig into this. Uh, and so it's exciting to me when we every time he nudges us to do it to go what is wow look at that like the word fear and I forget what the word is in Hebrew but one of the gentlemen in our church he's gone through some of the Hebrew words and that word fear I mean well it can mean fear as in terrified but it can also mean fear as in like reverence excitement joy there's so many other levels to it than just fear the way that we would understand fear in, in, in English and it's because we are limited by our language and we're Definitely. not familiar with the culture and with the Hebrew mm. and the Greek. I have to make a disclaimer, though. And the disclaimer for those who are listening to us have this conversation is we're not saying that the King James Bible is not accurate and is not the word no. of God. We're just saying not. that there's more to the words that we don't understand. And because of that, we take it out of context. But we're Definitely. saying it's the inspired word of God. But we absolutely deeper. And like you said, we are the generation that have the concordances and the resources. We just don't use them. Oh, absolutely. Mind as you were saying that as well, and reminded of, and I say thank you, Holy Spirit. Hebrew is a relational language. And so one of my favorite examples of this is El Shaddai. When God says, I'm El Shaddai, um, it, we, when this is unpacked in traditional like services, God's all powerful actually in hebrew it should be more accurately translated as 
I am more powerful in my love for you. I am more powerful in my provision for you. The powerful piece of God is relating to the person he's talking to. So that's actually, yes, he is powerful. I'm not saying he's not, but Hebrew, it relates one thing to another. So he's saying, this is what I am in this, in this much kindness and, and love for you. And yet again, if we, that word, that El Shaddai is where I, we get that word omnipotent or omniscient, whichever one it is, I get them muddled up. But, and it, he is but there's there's levels to it. There's there's nuances to it, which we are in in danger of missing if we don't have conversations like this. You know, uh, I think, and that's that's what's exciting. I do believe that we are born for such a time as this. Like I love the internet. I, I'm a complete tech geek, and I really do believe we are born for right now. And yes, there are I have frustrations with social media. It can be a difficult place. Don't get me wrong, but. It's a joy and a delight that we're having this conversation right now, you know, hundreds, probably a couple of thousand miles across, you know, a great big expanse of water. And I'm talking to you like you're right next to me in the room, you know, that's a marvel. And I do believe that God is calling us. I think there's, he's speaking a revival and it's a revival, not, yes, church has a place for it, but it's not going to look like we had a Welsh revival in the early 1900s. And people have been saying there's a, a revival coming to Wales. And that might be true. And I say, yes, bring it on God. But what I hear is actually, it looks like this. It doesn't look the same as it did in 1900. It's about using the technology and the resources and the things that we have in this time, because we can reach more people. You know, look at it with COVID. How many I've heard sermons from um, a church in Oklahoma because of the internet, because of COVID. That's just outstanding and blows my mind. I'm loving this. I'm loving it. Just talking to a sister in Wales, <laughs> just just talking, talking about teaching me more about the love of God and unpacking those layers. You keep referring to something and we didn't introduce it. You said, that's what I do in you here. And I'm, I'm <laughs> hesitating because I know I'm not saying it correctly. Please, because we're going to end this session. There will be a part two. You've got to come back because you have to admit this is good. I'm going to end with Elle telling us about being a you. you Elle, help me, please. Make you it said it right the first time. You started again. We'll talk to continue. You here? <laughs> Perfect. You've got it. Do you know what it is? It's the R at the end. I didn't realize this until recently, but Americans, because of the way your accent is, you hit the R and it becomes you and it's really hard to say. So, but it's, it's, I said to God, you know, cause he told me to trademark it last year. And he said, I said, but nobody can say it. And nobody knows what it is. Don't worry. He said, nobody knew what Google was once upon a time. So I'm like, okay, what I will end with with this episode, then I will just break down the UEA acronym for you. Cause God gave it to me two or three months ago. UEA is you being everything that he made you to be with IER and IER is intentional expectant relationship. So it's about you being you in an intentional expectant relationship with God. That in essence is what Yuya is all about. Wow. Love it. Love it. Love it. Friends, this has been amazing. This is our new friend L from Wales. And please come back for part two. We're not done talking. In part two, L wraps it all up together and you will really want to hear. In the meantime, I'm going to jump ahead slightly just to remind you of what L is going to see as well or has said that God wants, Almighty God wants to be in an intentional, intimate relationship with you. 
you are a blessing. Go and bless someone else. Share. Come back. Thank you. Peace.